Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. This is Brodor. Hey, Pete's back. Yeah, Pete's back. I don't know if this is going to be a regular episode, small topic roundup, bonus episode, probably a bonus episode, because when we were closing out the show with Pete last time, he had a bunch of one-up sort of topics, right? Some things that we just didn't quite get to that we want to come back to. Mr. Thomas, I love you. Aaron Sturgill, I, I, I meant to talk about you, but I forgot. You know who he's not mentioning? Brodor. You know who else he's not mentioning? Brandy from Gamer's Table. Well, all right. <laughs> Hold on. We, we've got a lot of things here we have to work through. Did I mention uh, that Richard Thomas is a booter, and he came and played my game after hearing about it? And yes. Let's start with that. You said that you wanted to get some shout outs to some booters that have been supporting you. So <laughs> I'm doing a pretty good job of interrupting you with them right now, but I just got to make sure I get them in this. Well, time. well, now we'll put them in as an organized topic. So go <laughs> ahead. Okay. So I mentioned Richard Thomas, just to elaborate. It was really, really awesome. Brodor brought me up an episode. I think it's 419 uh, when we met at Archon, and he overheard the episode, and he went to a catacon. Hats off to the RPG Academy. And at a catacon, he came up for my first game. He signed up, and he was like, hey, I heard about it on Fear of the Boot. And I was like, this is so cool. Someone who heard the podcast immediately came over, signed up for my game, and sat down all because of this show. So I wanted to make sure... If I was on the show, Richard Thomas, thank you, and I hope you enjoyed the game. It is now on Kickstarter. Wait, time out. A catacon? So the RPG Academy has a convention, so we're now affiliated with two conventions? Yes, they have a convention. You really didn't know this? No, we're part of the we're part of their network. You're, you're, you're part of the RPG Academy family of podcasts. Yes, I know. This, but, this episode is some bullshit. I'm so pissed. I'm pissed off for multiple reasons. <laughs> Wait. Wait, all right, but hold on. My, my, my mild... And you failed at your job. I knew they had a convention. No, my I delegated <laughs> because I delegated. I, even That's though first, the first I may, I was denial. a passive consumer. I was reading their Slack thing, but they wanted somebody who would actually say something. So I'm like, Wayne, would you mind taking this over? <laughs> and the the idea was that Wayne would then digest this information. And pass it on to me, but apparently there's been a massive breakdown here. Uh, apparently it's all Wayne's fault is what I'm hearing. Where it's getting into the organization, but it's not. This is like food goes to the stomach, but never gets distributed to the body. Wayne, this is your opportunity to blame Chad. <laughs> so when is, Chad wouldn't take that much effort <laughs> for something. Yeah, so all right. So on the topic of conventions I actually know are going on. Fear of the Con 10 still coming up. I'll link to that in the show notes. If yes. you guys want to start signing up for games there, if you want to see any of the stuff that's going on with Fear of the Con 10, I will put a link to that in the show notes. They've got a nice clearinghouse site that links to the Con Planner stuff for signing up for games that links to all the information on the convention. So I will post that in the show notes because we'd love to see you there. All right, so before we move on to Brodor's Rage... <laughs> Does, does Pete have any more shout-outs? That's what I was okay. saying. Does Pete have any more shout-outs? Aaron Sturgis, Sturgill. Uh, but Aaron's an awesome guy. I met him at Origins. Uh, the first time I met Aaron, we ever since have always brought up Fear the Boot because we listen to every episode, I think, most episodes. We usually like to talk about, you know, the uh, commentary between Dan and Chad or if Brodor got time to talk or, you know, all the, all the great dynamics of Fear the Boot. Yeah, Dan, just in case you didn't know, there's a convention called Origins. Gorgeous. <laughs> it, yeah. it is the Gorgeous. week before Fear the Cat. Gorgeous. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. 
I want to go to Gorgians. <laughs> Origins. Okay. So, is there anyone else that we need to give a shout out to? Nope. No. Okay. Brodor, go ahead. Get out of your system. So, can you steam a little bit first? Though I'd like to hear that that sound if you're just like blowing steam, like it, it, like kettle noise. It, if I could, if I could see the thing is, is that my man crush Pete is an RPG podcast whore. I did not realize. Like I, I felt special, but. This weekend, I was listening to the 300th episode, the final regular episode yeah. of the yes. Gamers Table or Gamers Stable. I, I forget Gamers how they pronounce table. it. Yeah, I know. Nobody knows. <laughs> no, but I'm sure both of their listeners care. <laughs> I, I really, really enjoyed their show. But I'm listening to episode 300, and I've been in this, this pretty hardcore, depressive malaise for a couple of weeks. And so it's mid-afternoon on, sun, on Saturday, and... I've got a few beers in me, and I'm listening and listening, and I hear them mention Chris Hussey, and I was like, I know Chris Hussey. And then they started talking about this Pete Petrusha guy and how much they love him and how much they love talking to him at cons and how much they love his wife. And I felt a little crestfallen, a little heartbroken. Uh, Now you have to get tested. (laughs) You have to get the baby tested. There was magic there, and then I realized, oh, I am just another notch in his RPG yeah. belt. Another, another scar on his, on his podcast you heard what post. He, you heard what him and his friends talk about. They talk about the dynamic between Dan and Chad. He doesn't <laughs> oh, no. care about us. No. Oh, and if Brodor gets a word in. <laughs> does anybody? Wayne knows what I'm talking about. No one knows what it's like to sit in the room <laughs> with these two forces of nature discussing going back and forth with the longevity of their relationship, their intimate knowledge of one another, and yes, I mean butt stuff. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard. And here's the thing. I've talked about it before, too. When I listen to Ken and Robin talk about stuff, I feel pretty dumb. When Dan and Chad get going, I'm like, I do not have the intellectual chops to hang with this. So I need to say something nasty about my gritty butthole. <laughs> I understand you so much better now. <laughs> then maybe we need to have a crossover episode with two live mics and two muted ones where it's Dan and Chad talk about Ken and Robin. Here's what, here's what, here's what I want to do. they literally like, can't say like, anything. All they do is flail at the camera. When I do finally kill myself, the thing that will put me over the edge is if, if Ken Height, Robin Laws, Dan and Chad do a podcast <laughs> together, I will feel so universally insignificant. <laughs> it would be amazing. In the Spider-Man movies, when he gets like surrounded by those bars and all that sonic noises, like right, disrupting right. his, his like so, uh, what was what do they call it? Like suitor thing. Yeah, his, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, the studio. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I was very, very happy for you that another well-regarded, you know, um, you know, popular RPG podcast mentioned you. But I got to tell you, I was a little butthurt. Yeah, all I got to say is they got to me first. Oh. oh, well, hold on a second. <laughs> hold you on. were that second means, to the dance. Well, well, but that means I'm an upgrade. <laughs> you know, I, I got to say that in terms of the chick flick plot of the relationship here, they may have been the one that was there to begin with. But ultimately, they brought me to the dance, but Broder took me home. They, I say, you know, what ultimately happened is they gave up on your love and they shut down. 
And I, I was just thinking who, Hooters trying to pick who, up their sloppy seconds. Right. But who's I'm no who's, shame. But who's the real friend who's always loved you and always cared about you and keeps on coming back and all these years later is still there? Chris Hussey. <laughs> was he on their podcast talking about his game that he wrote and promoting his Kickstarter? Probably. <laughs> if he was, I didn't hear that episode. Well, okay. So the only thing I have to say about uh, whatever the hell their show's name, Gamer Stable, Gamer's Table, whatever, is... That's a lot of fun. I'm going to miss it. Okay. It was... They had some awesome chemistry. That's what I told them every time. I became Brandy's adoptive father. I am her stepfather. I'm so, sorry for Brandy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you don't need she to She needs guidance, Dan. She well, needs guidance. I've tried. And <laughs> I think at some point that if she doesn't get in line, I may have to refer. And she's going to have to spend a few months uh, with Uncle Gnarl. And then maybe she'll be ready to try life again. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you did the voice for her father on the Shadowrun app. You I know. It. That's right. Yeah. And only later did they tell me it was for a character. I thought I was... <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> I was just getting drunk and turgid by himself <laughs> recording in a funny voice. <laughs> no, they, they were a good show. Were. And... Uh, <laughs> Man, you know they're kind of local to you, right? And there's more of them than you guys. They're going to come find you. Hey, yeah. they got nothing better to do right now. <laughs> They've got plenty of time to work it out. Okay. We're better armed. We've got a seven-man mob coming well, to your house right armed. now. I mean, I don't know if we're better armed, but we're well-armed. <laughs> it's true. Don't come here. They have guns. Yeah. Did you miss the part where I was talking about the, the firearms that are in the recording studio? Yeah. Uh, the really scary stuff's upstairs. But... Yeah, so where are, are they in St. Louis? I, I shouldn't really say, but they're outside St. Louis. I think they're, they're just in Louis. Illinois. Is a probably fair way to say. It, okay, but. okay. No, I, I don't. I don't think that's anything. I mean, but I mean, they're within five minutes of your house, Dan, and they could be there before the end of this podcast. Well, Illinois is not within five minutes of my house, but yeah, but yeah. I, I, I'm just joking. <laughs> but yeah, that that is probably within fifteen to thirty minutes of my house. Yeah, so. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they, they could be here and dead on my front doorstep anytime they want. But <laughs> oh, Actually, if they're from Illinois, if they're from, like, East St. Louis, they might be better armed. Uh, that's true. For all we know, they could be coming from the rail yards of, of like, Soja or something. Or stockyards. I'm sorry, the stockyards. Oh, and, like, I know them, so gracious. I feel like I just, we just, like, outfitted them as a gang in my head. <laughs> like, like, they were on one side of, like, St. Louis, and now they came from the other, where they're thugging it. They were a gaming podcast <laughs> until Fear the Boot pushed them too far. <laughs> now, this sounds like a good grindhouse flick. See, I wish I would have known they were that close because we could have done like a crossover. I had no idea. Are you kidding? What we I should no what idea. we should do is just have rotating guests. What I can tell yeah, that's yeah. true. We could just post them for talent. It's not the first podcast I've done it to. We should but, yeah, seriously consider that. I mean, but, you gotta grab Eric. I mean, Eric is like the mastermind behind it. He is just like a wealth of talents and skill and information. I mean, he's running this whole AP side tangent thing now, but but I'm I'm telling you, man. He sounds like way too much of a go getter. We don't want him. <laughs> if 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 there was a massive California slides into the ocean style earthquake through the Missouri area, you have no idea how many gaming podcasts would cease to exist. Yeah, there I, are I so my iPhone in the water. I don't need to listen. I, there's no more podcasts. Yeah, you, you'd have Happy Jacks, which you know yeah, nobody listens to. Them. 
And they, yeah, they, they'd be unemployed apart from what the seven second fish songs they do for uh, Master for Chef. Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. That was, it. It was I love Master that Chef. episode where you talked about how they had like 0.3 seconds of an intro on a TV show. <laughs> Just pick a chord, say fish, and go to commercial. <laughs> so, all right, let's see. And other things that are upsetting Brodor. <laughs> I, I want you guys to know that after years of him fighting against it, I'm we're still working on the cell phone. He hasn't picked out a model yet, but Brodor is now on Facebook. So yeah. if you want a friend Brodor on Facebook, then you can find him through the Fear the Boot group or Mike Brodor. Yeah, um, Mike Facebook. Brodor. Yeah, exactly. So not Robert Brodor. That's his older brother. Yeah, Mike Brodor. B r o d e u r. Yes. So here's the messed up thing about the Facebook page, because Dan and I have been engaged in this intense game of social media chicken, right? Where a few weeks ago at a recording, Dan took an unflattering picture of me because I'm fat and he, he, he created this Facebook page. Wow. But, I thought it was one of the best pictures ever taken of him. Yeah, thanks. The second one was the first one was horrible. So, <laughs> So the thing is, is that Dan wants me to be engaged in Facebook, and so do many of my friends and family want me to be engaged in Facebook so I can socialize with them via social media. Unanimously so, going by your private messages. So the thing is, is that Dan created this Facebook page, and I thought this is a funny lark, whatever, but I did not really recognize or appreciate Dan's commitment and tenacity to my Facebook page. And the up thing is is that i go to see my sister at my grandma's 91st birthday party and my sister looks at me very angrily and she says why didn't you tell me you have a facebook page (laughs) (laughs) and i was like i was like jennifer you have to understand that is not me yeah some people who are really sort of in the bro door wheelhouse and you know dan started posting and they're like who is this because this isn't mike (laughs) this is not really really him So anyway, we've been kind of seeing how this thing goes, and Dan's kind of been slowly turning up the heat. Right. (laughs) Well, and and I want you to know, at least, or or maybe hereabouts, half the people that interact with you have no idea it's not you. Right. They're they're sending me increasingly personal commentary (laughs) and inquiries. Oh, my God. You're going to hear some shit about me that I don't want people to know. Well. That's what I'm uncomfortable about. Yeah. So you could take any. This can stop. All you have to do is take the account. All right. So here are the two that really, really (laughs) up the ante for me. If you are a regular listener to the show, you will certainly know that I used to work for a local chain of game and, and, and comic shops called the Fantasy Shop. And I left in some pretty uncomfortable terms and in an uncomfortable situation. But I'm still on good terms in general with them. Right. Until... A recent Facebook post that says, and I've been gone for well over a year now. There's a recent Facebook post where Dan's taking where I'm taking an impromptu poll of people like this post. If you think I should be the general manager of the fantasy shop again. Yeah, I voted on that. Thanks. So the thing is, is what Dan didn't know is that when the fantasy shop moved their fluorescent location to Creve Core, there was some turnover. One employee was demoted. Another employee was terminated. And there was a lot of Facebook consternation on this particular location. So people 
assume this was me weighing in on Facebook about what's been going on with like, the company. Like, should I have been there to stop this from happening? Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. So people are, re- <laughs> right. people are inferring that, that, that I have taken a position publicly on Facebook. Which I've is never again laughed like that. He is I having love, too much fun right now. What I love is one person replied back that, no, they don't think you should. And it was somebody who runs a comic shop. That's because Joe Watts used to work for the fantasy shop and doesn't want me to come back and kick ass like I did while I was there. That's all I'll say on the subject. Exactly. I'm saying he runs another comic shop. He doesn't want the competition. Precisely. So one of my former store managers, I won't say who, called me yesterday and he's like, so I saw your Facebook post. I just... <laughs> This is really unlike you to weigh in, and it's not professional, and it's not something that I think that you would do. Are you okay? Is something going on? Is every, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, look, this isn't me. Now, I didn't get into how fucking funny I thought it was. But I was like, it's not me. He's like, okay, because I thought you'd lost your mind. I'm like, oh, I lost my mind long ago. But no, I, I, me personally would not comment like that. But then... Then the next kicker is, and I'm assuming that Jason Rack sent you a PM that what you what I, you emailed me today. Yes, yes. Okay, so Rodor, did uh, I miss something here? How did you convince the guy that you didn't say something that clearly has your name over it? You know, like you're, you had a Facebook post from Mike Brodor, and you convinced him that it wasn't you. I'm so vehemently opposed to engaging in social media. A lot of people that are on my page know it's not me. They just know I would never do this. I'm just saying it's not a winning argument. I'm I'm amazed that this worked out. I'm I'm pretty awesome. No, 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 no. It wasn't me. It just says my bro. It has my picture next to it. Exactly. Exactly. That's too fat. That's not me. And and it has pictures of him that update about every week. So, now I want to take the Shaggy song, Wasn't Me. Yeah. yeah. Brodor there. Wasn't me. No, nah, man. Wasn't me. So here's the deal. So Jason and his wife, Tina, who I'm really, really fond of, who even broached the idea of buying the company from the owner uh, some time ago, right? So they send me a private message, well, Dan, a private message, <laughs> about, and, and they start engaging in this conversation, and the, the racks are basically saying, so, Mike, here are some concerns and questions we have for you. Why would you be interested in coming back to the shop? Everything that happened between you and Dave, blah, 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 blah. So my, Dan's response was, I'm selling sleep machines to fat people, and I'd rather be selling them comics and games. <laughs> Something that I would say. Brodor's <laughs> new job is selling CPAP machines, yeah. which are primarily used to improve the sleep breathing. Right. Well, just just to, just to give you a little clarification on how f***ed up it is, I don't actually sell or set you up with the machines. I monitor your usage data, and then I call you when you're not using it enough based on your insurance requirements. I am Big Brother. Wow. That sounds oh, yeah. pretty creepy. Oh, it's f***ed up. I mean, these people have no idea what's going on. But... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so, that was my response. Is, so, is I'm selling medical supplies to fat people, so and I should be selling I'm, them comics. I'm in and my games. car. I'm in my car driving to Dan's house tonight to do the recording, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, so how do I capitulate graciously? How do I capitulate in an entertaining fashion? I was ready to buckle. I really was. I was really, really ready to buckle until I sit down on Dan's couch and we're talking about the Facebook page, and I said, oh man, you really turned it up to eleven. And Dan says, oh. 
Oh, I've barely begun. <laughs> and he's like, the doomsday clock is running, but but things don't get real until November 1st. Midnight on the doomsday clock is November 1st. And Brodor can end this anytime he wants by just taking control of the account. So all he has to do is say, F*** it. I'm on Facebook now, and it all stops. Okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> but I'm so self-destructive I have an and curious that now, like, I need to see how yeah. dark this goes. This, this, <laughs> this, this is like the long climb up a mountain. There are going to be some ups and downs, but by the time we get there, you are going to have... We will pass frozen bodies. Yes, and your mind will be blown by just how high, just how far the whole thing has gone. If you find that Polaroid picture of my butthole and you put it on there, I am really going to be surprised. There's going to be Photoshop pictures of you with Colombian hookers. (laughs) Those aren't Photoshopped. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My wife knows, man, and I've said it before on the show. If something ever happens in that relationship, I'm going strictly professionals for two reasons. They go away and they won't talk about how terrible I am. So tonight you did give me another great quote that is going to become tomorrow's post. Excellent. Well, then I I will not spoil it. <laughs> so, yeah, if we're going to keep going. Like I said the doomsday clock does not hit midnight till November first. Everything between now and November first is just foreplay. Dan mentioned something about like the daily quote. Like that's going to be the quote for tomorrow. What are you talking about? Well, I, I'm just saying that every day when I'm going through my social media stuff. If there's something on my mind, I post it on my account. If there's something gaming related, I post on Fear the Boots account. If there's something inappropriate, Narl says it. (laughs) But I I try to make sure that Brodor stays engaged. I have to answer his PMs. (laughs) I have to respond respond to his friend requests. And there's a bunch of people that want to run ideas past him. Are you serious? Yeah. And there's there's also a person or two that says they've got some serious stuff going on they want to talk to you about. Are you for real? Are you f***ing with me? Nope. I'm not messing with you, but this is all real. So I'm going to be dispensing life advice. And... And, uh, but I, I try, honestly, if they're coming to Proto for life advice, they deserve this. Yeah. And, but I try to say at least something on your behalf every day. And I try to, I try to think of things that you've said or are likely to say, and then mixed in there. See, this is classic disinformation. And then mixed in there is me turning that doomsday clock a second closer to midnight. You did. When you were when you made that post and asked for a poll if I should be the GM, like, there was a part of me that was like, dude, come on, that's not cool. And then there's another part of me that like, this is f***ing hilarious. See, that's exactly what I went through before making the post, because I'm like, this is really inappropriate, but it's hilarious. And I, you know, look, I can't win a game of chicken if I'm not willing to press the accelerator. It's so so true. I lost it when I read it. It it made my day. Not right. And seriously, because two of the two of the managers, two of the current managers were like, why? Why would Mike do that? What? What is he? What is he thinking? Why would I mean? I mean, that's just not like him. And why would? And I was like, I was like, oh man, oh this check. It's not checkmate, but it was a check. It was good. <laughs> Wait till he starts telling all of the other comic shop owners why you did it better. Oh, oh 
now see, that's not cool. You can't. <laughs> there's comic can't headquarters. That. There's oh. the one up off of Hampton. No, 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 I, I'm not going to get personal with people. I've got a game plan. I'll, you guys just strap in and <laughs> just watch what occurs until on November 1st, either Brodor buckles and takes control of the account, <laughs> or that's the end of our friendship. <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's how far it's going to go. Ian, that's a long time. How did oh, you end up on November 1st? <laughs> look, I, I just recently turned 40. I'm a patient man. You know, Fear of the Boot is nearly 11 years old. Do you know how many... Do you know how many shows have come and gone 11 years? Do you know how many RPGs have come and gone? How many TV shows? How many rival podcasts? How many rival podcasts? How many editions of games have all come and gone? The entire D20 thing started and ended in the course of our tenure. Hey, brother, can you bring him down a bit? No, no. Look, this this is not about me. Because he's floating over there. Because, yeah, Pete, I have known this man for 10 years. This is a man that can plan. This is a man that does the long term. When he is running a game, he has things planned out yep. so far ahead that you have no idea that you're going to get even halfway there. So if he says he has a plan through November 1st, I don't doubt it for a second. <laughs> All right. The only the only thing that I ask is that if I buckle before November 1st, that we have to revisit this via bonus episode and talk about the plan. Okay. And talk about the ultimate, the striking of midnight on the doomsday. That's fine. That's fine. Because it's coming. All right. Well, as he said, sit down, strap on, and enjoy the ride. I mean, like, Jesus, how many days is that from now? That's but a moment. It is but a passing of the wind. It is but a vapor in the noonday sun. So, on a completely different topic. Wow, 180. Yeah, no, this is a, to me, this is like a two-degree turn. Pete, last time we were talking about some of the sort of metagame aspects of Dream Chaser, some of its values. I think this was after we stopped recording, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. Okay, so after we stopped recording. We got so much quality content, we just didn't get to it all. Well, that's why we're coming back to it. I think Wayne said he was supposed to ask me, like, my favorite game or, you know, some other normal questions. How did you get into gaming? Yeah, yeah, well, okay, fine. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Yeah, all right. So (laughs) do do you have a really exciting story about how you got into gaming or was it usual stuff of bored in the suburbs, bored in college? You know, something something you'd appreciate uh, just because my first game was Shadowrun, and I know you were a hardcore facet person. Yes. Um, My first role-playing game book was the second edition of Shadowrun. And I found it at a hobby store called Hobby Town. Mostly they did like airplane models and tar models and stuff. Yep. And I had zero idea what a role-playing game was. And I had no older brothers or anything or older cousins that I hung out with. So I had this book from like maybe the fifth or sixth grade into like the eighth or ninth grade and never had an idea of what a role-playing game was. I, like, begged my dad to buy me this Shadowrun 2nd Edition that's got, like, the black cover with, like, the elves and the cyberpunk-looking thing. It's all black and white inside. It was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen, but I knew nothing about it. I, you know, I liked comics, and I collected, like, the little Marvel superhero cards and stuff, yeah. so maybe I saw, like, superheroes in it. You know how thick that book was. It's, like, 300 yep. pages, double columns, it's a tome well past my reading level, well past my crunch was well past anything I could have come up with. Yeah, but, early um, edition Shadowrun was not 
I toted that around. I, you know, my dad bought it for me for Christmas. It was like $25, which was like really expensive for like my fifth grade presents, you know, like, and I had it for years until a study hall in eighth grade where a person sitting right next to me, which you will love this part too, who was reading riffs, oh. <laughs> looked over and was like, hey, like, what is that? And then we started talking, but he was a total dick. But, you know, we're friends today. But he was just, you know, like, condescending, talked down to me. Like, you wait, have no wait, idea wait, wait. The guy with the riffs book? With the riffs book, yeah. With the riffs book was condescending. This is like a man where you're sitting there eating McDonald's, <laughs> and, and he seriously just has, like, a bucket of mixed farm shit. I'm talking just, like, a little bit from every animal stirred together, and he's condescending because you're eating a Big Mac. Were you sitting next to Kevin Symbieta? <laughs> Because then it might make sense. <laughs> no, no. But as you can imagine, you know, he told me this really awesome story about how, like, one of his friends was a vampire and one was a dragon and one was, like, some dark god. And they no, also, I, I can't imagine this. It, there, are, there are no awesome stories to be told about riffs. <laughs> there, there, are, there are apologies and regrets. That's, that's all the similar so the long story short was that it took me a long time. I towed it around a role-playing game book well before I had any idea what they were. Yeah. And I thought it was cool. So eventually when I did find someone who was like, hey, guess what that is? This is what it is. And I still didn't get it because I was a kid. But, you know, eventually that kind of opened that door for me because I played a lot of pretend as a kid. You know, we'd be out in the yeah, yard sure. and we'd be like, hey, we're going to be our favorite superheroes. And we'd make up our own superheroes and, like, play out our story. You know, we role-played just like kids do is pretending we carve wooden swords and run around the woods and stuff and you know bang them together like we were in sword fights no i get it after the rift sky i can i can gather this is an imaginative group <laughs> yes so, you know, the, uh, yeah that, that was my long story I, I got the denver box set and he used to call me denver uh, as he read his riffs book because he didn't actually care to know my name at the time because you know we're in study hall like i said he was a dick so but, uh, yeah, later I found my game store, played Magic the Gathering, and, uh, you know, we'd see people playing D&D at one of the tables. Our legendary game master in that store was Joe Jackenthal III. He ran a game, like, every day of the week, and he would run on the fly, but he knew, I think it was Greyhawk, he knew, like, the back of his hand. Like, he just knew, he read all the novels, knew everything you could know about it. So he never prepped. He was just, like, ready to run you through a dungeon crawl every day of the week. And there'd be times people walk out, and they'd be like, hey, you want to take my character? I remember he used to pigeonhole you so bad because you'd sit down and you'd be like, hey, I want to do this. And he'd be like, no, you don't. You're the bard. You sit back and you play. Oh. <laughs> you know, I'd be wow. like, no matter what you wanted to do, it was like, no, no, you don't. So, or right, so, so your gaming experience begins with <laughs> Shadowrun 2nd Edition, which I'm going to pause here to say, Shadowrun 2nd Edition had some issues. It was kind of a crunchy and complex system. It would be a rough place to start the hobby without any guidance when you are that young. Check out the vehicle collision chart. I used to laugh because it was a total algebra problem. Oh, oh, dude, you think that was bad? Sometime read the Shadowrun 1st Edition book. It is, in sure. my mind, effectively incomprehensible. <laughs> it, it is, I'm, and I'm not joking. I it, As much as I'm making kind of statements that are somewhere between joke and fact this one is straight down fact the book is effectively all but incomprehensible it is so it, it's just a disaster but shadow on second edition was a radical improvement it was at least playable over first edition first edition was so freaking complex and, and so so unclearly written but my, my point here being, so you start off with, with Shadowrun 2nd Edition, which is a rough game at that young of an age and was not the most polished of their editions, though I, Shadowrun was solid. You then meet a guy who's the first other role player you've met, and he's a <laughs> dick 
who is condescending from the tall tower of rifts. Kyle, I love you, man. Wherever you are, hear this. Yeah, yeah, sure. We're now, but you were a dick then, and you know it. He came from that roaring economy of Haiti. By the way, I've never seen him play riffs, so I don't know what happened to any of that stuff. Oh, oh, yeah, that that's, look, I'm sure he was probably hiding a porno mag in there if he had ever fallen out. And, Are you kidding? I put my riffs book in porn. I don't a stack of gay porn, and my riffs book is right there. Because if that board had ever fallen out, he'd actually seen riffs, that he'd have been like, I am so sorry. <laughs> so, all right. So you go then for to to arrogant guy who who's arrogant from the position of riff. I mean, which is just baffling all by itself. And then you go from that to a guy who has like a name from a really really bad fantasy novel <laughs> or like some I don't know HBO series about playing world at that store. Yeah, about like the, the, this is like the mover and shaker behind the scenes of Elizabethan England or something. And he runs these weekly improv dungeon crawls. Five days a week. Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. All week long. I'm sorry. I mean, all week long. I mean, so there's a lot of credit. No, 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 no. That's not amazing. Hold up. Improving a dungeon crawl where I say there's a hallway with a room and a flip, flip, flip Umber Hulk in it. What do you do? Oh, I do this. No, you don't. Do you know how easy that is? Look, I will run you a, a, I could run a, if, if I didn't have to sleep or eat, I could run not a game every day for a week. I could run a week. So here we go. From Sunday midnight to Saturday, 1159, 59 p.m. of this. If all I have to say is, oh, you're in a dungeon. Here's a monster. And by the way, whatever action you have, I veto it. So here's the thing. This is what we should do for Fear the Content is that we should have a terrible game master's gauntlet. Like the movie's terrible bosses, we should deliberately run the worst f***ing games we can run. Do it in the slot slot six on both nights, just as a lark. Yeah, and cycle, cycle in game masters, so each one can have a different trick that they won't account for. Well, right, but all as hosts. 30, right? 30 yeah. minutes with the, with the grind, 30 minutes with the railroad, <laughs> 30 minutes with the GMPC. We just take all the... We'll do Broder's instant rules. We'll do the re-roll rule. So we'll have a bottle of whiskey at the table and shot glasses so you can re-roll by taking a shot. And we'll just get faced and play terrible games. <laughs> yeah, and they're like... pretty messed up after the last one. I, I can't believe you're going to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched you after it. Not, you know, not at DrewCon, but the last year of the con. And uh-huh. you were like, I don't know why we do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then 30 minutes of one game master who doesn't even run the game, but just sits there and condescends about your game preferences and fluffs up his own. And, and by the way, we'll have to pick some absolutely horrible game. I'm thinking riffs. But oh, even better, there's riffs now. For Savage Worlds. Well, you know what, though? This, it's the worst of both worlds. Well, I, Oh, now, let's on. not start this fight. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I will not judge that until I've seen it, because I don't know what they were allowed to clean up. So I am shooting straight at the regular riffs, right? R- Savage riffs, I, I, you know, I, I at least have to look at it. Like, I've never, you know, it's like 
Tub Girl versus Goatsy. You cannot say. Oh, oh my God. You cannot say which one falls where unless you've seen them both. Out of fairness, I have to at least see Savage Riffs before I can make some kind of a call of is this Tub Girl or is this like legitimate pornography? And I've heard really good things about Savage Riffs. I hate Savage Worlds, so right. I'm not going to like it. What do, you, what do you not like about it? We, I hate shaking. Hate the general mechanics of I don't it. Like gotcha. Just dislike pretty much everything about it. You know, like shaken, not stirred. There should be like shaken, not acting. <laughs> shaken, not playing. I'm, I'm going to have to come up with something yeah. for this. Shaken the, is the big thing that I hate more than anything else I, in the I system. I can see that. Yeah, if you don't like shaking, the game's ruined. I think there's some good house rules out there for compensating for Shaken, but I, I, but agree. I agree. It, it can Shaken be... is actually a game-balancing mechanic, and that's the problem. Yeah. The game is built around Shaken. Well, I, I'm with Brodor, because I have run Savage Worlds with Shaken moved in a slightly different way to where you can still act, but you might have a minor penalty on the roll or something like that. Or even Shaken is just like, it, it's a non- damaging hit prior to the first wound and we only actually deal with shaken if that is the intended effect of the power suppressing fire a stun spell things like that then we get shaken but it is not the first wound on the wound track and i have found it does the game does still basically hold up balance wise now you do have to keep it in there because of the fact that it's it's the free damage right it's yeah. it's what separates you from the mooks is you can take a hit that doesn't do anything to you. They can't. Yeah, they can be shaken, and then they're out. But the point being, though, that you can just have an empty box that gives you a minus one on your rolls or doesn't do anything at all. But it's just, it still holds that slot. And the game still basically works. And I yes, for anyone who's going to write this in, I'll go ahead and save you the time. I am also aware that in the newer editions of Savage Worlds, they did change the shake and roll it's still there, but it's now easier to succeed at. So I, I am aware of that being a thing. Anyway, uh, what were the other things that we needed to talk about? Can I ask a quick question, Wayne? What's your generic light system you go to if you needed, like, like I know you mentioned Power Rangers. Like, if you were going to throw some setting into a game. If you don't use Savage Worlds, I'm interested in what you would use instead. Fate. All right. Fate is my That's generic I system that I could work other things into. But an excellent choice. And so. I have some issues with Fate as well. I don't like Fate Accelerated. I would use a previous version of Fate over Fate Accelerated. Oh, I think. And do you mean Fate Accelerated or Fate Core? Because Fate Accelerated was a subversion of Fate right. Core. No, it, Fate Accelerated is what I'm talking about. I don't like what they did with skills to change them into instead of at least for the Dresden Accelerated version, where instead of having a list of skills, you do things flashy or stealthy or Nude. I don't like that. I like skills. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, co coincidentally, Pete, we actually had this conversation at dinner about Fate Core and Fate Accelerated because of Wayne's Dresden game, yeah. Oh. Pete, one of the things that we were talking about after the recording was over was the fact that role-playing games in general have a variety of therapeutic traits, they have a variety of life skills they teach, because they encourage socialization, they give you a somewhat safer, detached way of dealing with difficult themes. I know we did those two episodes on mental health, and there is still an episode, a panel episode I want to come back to 
with like the Bodana group and some other people to talk about the actual you know they sound like villains right (laughs) (laughs) well you can be on that episode and bring that up to them (laughs) but but, (laughs) people that actually unlike us aren't just theorizing on it or doing it you know in a a person-to-person sort of capacity but people that actually have degrees in psychology or psychiatry or you know whatever yeah who actually have clinical qualifications saying yes this is true but there was something that you talked about with specifically your game Dream Chaser, uh, once again, that is on Kickstarter now. There is a Kickstarter going on. I will link to that again in the show notes if you want to get in on it. Though there's a good chance by the time that this show drops, uh, you're just going to be working on stretch goals. So get in on that. It's a good because, place to be. Good yeah, I, I, even where we're recording, it already looks like this thing's about to uh, clock out on the main goal. So get in on this because it's going to happen, and it looks like a great game. But sir, I'm gonna quote you. Hey, Looks like a great game, Dan. <laughs> you know what? Feel free to because one of the things we've promised our listeners and I've stuck to is nobody pays us to do Jack. If we talk about it on the show and say we like it, it really is true. There is no native advertising or whatever in Fear the Boot. Can you want me to kick that off? I know where you're going. Okay, so so go ahead and run with this. I want you to talk sure. about what we were discussing last week. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this just by just for a second with you guys. Um, you know, if anybody out there does have any any thoughts of like how games could help improve people's lives, whether it's in therapy or helping you know kids dream like what they want to do with their life, or you know even adults, right? Or you know skills that we can put into these games that are already almost there, that are easily almost designed in, they could help people actually further benefit from playing these games uh you know shoot me a message i'm on uh, my company's imagining games you can find it at imagininggames.com uh, all my social links are there i'm at at ben branner b-e-m-b-r-a-n-o-r on twitter but i'd love to hear all of your ideas and now i'll just kind of go into it so like with dream chaser you know there's a handful of things it does really well uh, even beyond just being a game, a role-playing game that's fun and entertaining and, you know, good for people's analytical skills and social skills and team-building skills, but the game focuses on the players imagine a goal for their game. That's where we start. So there's a lot of freedom as to where, what the game can be about, what the story can be about. And what I like about that is it doesn't have to be just about slaying a dragon, but I mean, if that is your ultimate game and you really want to slay a dragon in this story, then, you know, play that game. But, you know, I like that one of my early games was start a multimedia company, you know, because it was two single dads who were trying to do that with their real life. And they loved the idea of this startup company that would have like a book and a movie and a video game and, a, you know, but the whole thing. But they needed that property, that synergy, that gel moment is what they called it. And we were able to play a game about finding all the little tools and things they needed in that story to create that multimedia company. So this is just, these are just examples, but the idea is it's cool because Dream Chaser has goal setting and visualization embedded in how the game is designed, but these are also excellent skills to have in your own life. Whether you set a dream and you find digestible goals along the way that help you get there, and the game rewards you for achieving the goals you've set out to do, not only from the fun and enjoyment you get of getting the story you wanted, but also in the fact that you set goals and you achieve them. Uh, The game has a lot to do with visualizing your goals. People in the Olympics or world champions will tell you, if you can't visualize it, if you don't know what you want, then you're going to end up with what's left. 
because the people who know what they want are going to get theirs first, and you're going to get the best of what's left for you. So these are just a couple of the ideas that I'm talking about that are already kind of in you know role playing games, goal setting, achieving things, you know, working together. But I do think there's more we can do to put these kinds of tools in games that help people, whether they're kids or adults or people even you know struggling with things like trauma. Uh, in these games, it, we don't talk about it enough because it's already kind of there for us to deal with, but we, we don't really do that. I think we gamify these things, especially in this era of time where, you know, iPhones are gamifying everything. Gamifying weight loss, gamifying exercise, gamifying, you know, education. Yeah, Pete, let's let's talk about something you said in there, which is one of the things that I think Dream Chaser does that's great, not just for role-playing games, but also for real life topics, you know, the more serious things we're talking about here is you set an overarching goal. So you set that kind of high goal, but then you set these milestones along the way and you figure out in cooperation with other people, how to achieve them. To use a real life example, a while back, I set this goal that I wanted to get in shape. One of the things that was very, very difficult about that goal especially being in a position where I'm not overweight, I don't have any physical problems that I'm trying to work around. Really, the issue is just I have a type of build that does not build muscle mass easily. That, you know, if physical fitness is not easy for my build, not because I'm overweight, but the reverse problem, because I'm, I'm underweight, you know, low muscle mass, things like that. And so it was a very, very daunting goal. And when I went out there and looked at the types of programs that were supposed to get you there, every one of them was daunting for two reasons. One, they were far too long-term slash ambitious. And two, none of them really started in a plausible place. For example, one of the programs that I looked at is the fairly well-known Couch to 5K. When I looked at the first couple of weeks of Couch to 5K and I looked at my own, you know, just how out of shape I am and such from far too long sitting on my ass playing video games and writing code for a living, I pretty quickly realized I couldn't complete what you're supposed to do in the first couple of days. And as I read that program over, I started to get increasingly frustrated with this is only couch to 5K. If your definition of couch is somebody who's in pretty decent shape, took a few weeks off. Where's couch to couch to 5K? <laughs> Where's the pre? And I had a similar problem because Carlo has over the past several years really gotten into eating right and fitness. And she's lost a bunch of weight and put on a, a lot of muscle and she's in really great shape. And when she would suggest to me these quote-unquote... bench-pressing, Dan. <laughs> <She's doing reps. laughs> well, just because of good old sexual dimorphism, I actually am still stronger than she is. But <laughs> not for lack of trying on her part. She can do athletic feats. I cannot. She can do multiple pull-ups in a row. I can't even do part of one. Gotcha. You know, I can kind of hang there, and that's about it. But the point being, when I looked at all these programs she was suggesting as beginner programs, I would invariably become frustrated and angry and despondent because I couldn't do even what was supposed to be the beginner stuff. All right, now here's the punchline, and here's where this ties into what we've been talking about. I'm going to do credit credit's due. There was this guy by the name of Andrew Helmer on Facebook. Well, that's his real name, but I know him through Facebook, among other places. 
But a guy named Andrew Helmer. I should send him a friend request. I, he might have already sent you one. If not, I'll, if not, I'll be sure. <laughs> no him yeah. yeah. Well, I'll friend him. But uh, he gave me a bit of advice that I hope I'm quoting it right. If not, then I, I want him to know that the misquote I walked away with worked, which is he said, just do something. Yeah. Just do something. Every night before you go to bed, do five or ten push-ups. Walk the stairs at the building instead of take the elevator. Now, the building I work in is a single story, but the point is, I got what he was getting at, right? Just walk a couple minutes. Park further away. Park farther right. away. But what he suggests is don't set a particular goal except to just do something. Well, something is certainly a very feasible goal. Put some weights next to your bed and do a couple curls before you put yourself down for the night. Once again, do 10 push-ups before you go to bed. Just do something, anything. And then once you get that under your belt, then start adding to it. So now you add a second exercise to it, or you do a few more reps. And pretty soon, this whole thing, exactly. And you may, in the back of your head, you know your ultimate goal is, I want to get in great shape. I want to be able to lose 20 pounds, yeah. I want to do 20, lose 20 pounds. I want to be able to do 50 push-ups. I want to be able to run a mile without stopping. Whatever it is, that's your long-term goal, right? But you set these short-term milestones that are so plausible. It's like climbing a mountain without ever looking up. You just kind of look at the step that's right in front of you. That, I think, is a wonderful thing that is demonstrated by the mechanic in Dream Chaser, that I, when we get to this panel episode, I would love to hear what people like Ryan Frederick and the Bodana Group and stuff yeah. have to say on the topic, because it, that's what it describes is setting these bigger goals, but then understanding the milestones, the teamwork. You know, here I had Andrew suggesting this to me, and he was checking in on me. You know, he was that's kind cool, of yeah. he, he was my accountability, accountability guy. Yeah. And every day he would just ask me, so what did you do last night? And there was no right or wrong answer as long as I told him I did something. And I ended up passing this on to a guy that I work with. And I started him on the same thing. I'm like, dude, this is what you need to do. You know, you want to get in shape. Don't set that as your goal. Don't set I want to be ripped and, you know, an Olympian as, as your goal. All I want you to do is tomorrow you tell me something you did last night. I don't care what it is. You just have to tell me something and I'll be happy. And so you got this teamwork involved and all this, you know, it's not slaying a dragon, but the point is that these are the exact same life skills, just as role-playing games. They teach math, socialization, cooperation, language skills, reading, critical thinking, critical thinking, adaptation. Yeah. All this stuff in the same way, dream chaser, it teaches a really neat lesson about building life goals it's like that class they say like you don't get in high school about like you know maybe it's like how to write a check or like how to budget your money you know it's it's one of those things that like you need in your life but you don't necessarily get it and it's common sense so people don't think they need to teach you but then we're not necessarily very good at doing it you know in practice so yeah maybe a game that helps you practice those you know goal setting and achieving skills might give you some momentum in your own life oh i could rant about that the things that you should be able to learn. There's just the general expectation that your parents will teach you about credit 
and paying bills and all. Oh, yeah, credit's a good one. You know? My parents mm-hmm. didn't know about credit. Interest Your rates. Yeah. first couple of horrible mistakes with credit cards teach you about that and may saddle you with debt for life. Yeah, hopefully they teach you. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> but hey, actually, did you know, if you have no debt and $1 in your pocket, you have more wealth than the majority of Americans. True fact. If you have no debt and $1 to your name, you have more wealth than the majority of Americans. That is a, a true fact. And you know what? But this is the same kind of thing. If you're in that situation where you're looking at that mountain of credit card debt, what are the milestones? Well, I'm going to start cutting back on how much I eat out. I'm going to start cutting back on, you know, look, I'm looking where I spend my money and start cutting some things back there. Uh, you know, maybe if I go to the movie, I don't buy the the expensive snacks or I, I don't know whatever it is in your life. Start but, kissing a lot of ass at work. But you start get that, get those <laughs> upgrades, get those promotions. Get back to the fantasy the shop. Sweet pay increases. <laughs> <laughs> but you start dialing it back because you know, you don't your your goal, your dream may be to debt free, but your milestones along the way, they're not, you know, I'm tomorrow I'm gonna pay off all ten grand on my MasterCard. That'd be your dream, right? Yeah, and it'd be like yeah. day one is like, you know, one thousand or this credit card bill or that, you know, mortgage loan or that, you know, car payment. Yeah. It, digestible pieces. See, I, I thought that was something neat because as you were describing it, I saw it as a great mechanic, not just for Dream Chaser, but really for story writing yeah. in any role-playing game. Because I think we, we as role-players, we talk a lot about developing the character's present and past. We don't talk as much about setting what the future is going to look like, right? That's almost always in the hands of the game master. The characters might have incidental projects but really the, the the big mountain is in the hands of the game master and so returning this to player agency is a really neat idea that i think could help people in any game system whether it's dream chaser or anything else i think that mechanic alone is worth the price of admission on dream chaser you know to take that into your D game your pathfinder game your Shadowrun game don't don't play riffs just throw the book away <laughs> but <laughs> But the point being, though, you know, that I think in the same way that it's a skill that has value outside of the game. Rodor, do you remember what you said about movie trailers in the last episode? Because you, you said it really well. I'd love to kick it to you if that was what, if you remember it. So in, in a nutshell, what I had said was, is that if I were still in retail and I was pitching this game to a consumer or if I was pitching the game to one of my employees and how they should describe it. Like how you will when fantasy shop takes you back. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not, let's not go into that because that's just going to make me sad for many reasons. But the, the point was, and you are the one that originally said it was similar to a movie trailer for your game. And I was suggesting that's exactly how I would pitch it. I would say to someone, you know, imagine a game where you and the players sit down and you write a film trailer for the game before characters are ever made. And it's just like a movie trailer in that I'm going to see those tense moments. I'm going to see those scary moments. I'm going to see those action-packed moments. I don't necessarily know the context in which they occur, what caused them, and the consequences of those things. I just know that that moment occurred, right? 
imagine doing that for your game where you sit down and you say, I am going to have this kind of exchange with Wayne's character or with someone of significance in my kingdom, or I'm going to have this kind of combat encounter with a bugbear barehanded or what have you, right? Imagine doing that and then saying, okay, let's make our characters and let's figure out how all of these things are going to occur and the consequences of all those actions. Let me give you an example drawing from a movie trail that actually we just watched for coming down here. We watched the, uh, what I believe is second or third, or whatever, the final trailer for the upcoming Logan movie. The good one. Uh, I mean, they're all good, but this one's really good. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be really good. Okay, well, we know what the dream is, right? The dream is going to be, the ultimate goal here is that Logan has to do something to save X-23. Right, and to share his wisdom of, I used to be you... The dream and is Logan saves X-23. Right, so the dream is Logan saves X-23. What are some of the milestones along the way? Well, for example, we know that in order to save X-23, Logan on some level has to redeem himself. There's that scene in the trailer where Patrick Stewart is trying to tell Logan, werewolf, or werewolf, Wolverine, right. I don't know why I just called him werewolf, Wolverine, <laughs> that... Because he's sexy and savage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I think it's actually because, well, I, I spend, I'm right. No, no, it's because Narl spends a good portion of his day raging about werewolves. But <laughs> he, he has two bigotries. He hates werewolves and Nebraskans. <laughs> now, from Iowa, the, the, the difference is I can, sure. the difference is I can only tell you why werewolves. I, I have not yet decided why he hates Nebraskans because they can pass for human. I, I, is that it? <laughs> I literally don't know. I have no idea. I, I have not. I met even, Nebraskans. Uh, yeah, I know. I know you did. But the point is, I have no idea. I just wrote that down. And I have yet to explain. But the point being that uh, when, when Patrick Stewart, you know, Professor X is talking to Wolverine, he starts telling him in one of the scenes, this is what family is, is people sitting together, sharing things and sharing love. And it's not too late for you to understand that. So we could put as a milestone along this that. Wolverine has to come to understand family. You know, he can't teach that to X-23 if he doesn't get it. And then I would say it's it's Professor X because he's another player character. So Professor X has the milestone of teaching, you know, Logan that lesson. Right. And then I would say for X-23 to be saved, you have to show what is her danger. Awesome. Yes. X-23 has her milestone. Yeah. Yeah. Her milestone would be, I want to see her lose it on people. Oh, see the anger come yeah, out. It's so good. Yeah. And you as the player get to say, like, I want that moment with this character. Right. Exactly. And so if you've not seen this trailer, I'll link it in the show notes so you can watch it and you can see what I'm talking about. But it's a great exercise if you want to understand how to think about role-playing games in this way. Broder's absolutely right. You can look at a movie trailer and reverse engineer it in much the same way of you understand what the over arcing theme is what the big goal is right what the real thing they're after is and then you can start to see some of the little points that they're selling you along the way that create that narrative that make it compelling yeah. you know that they always think mission impossible like you see him hanging on the side of the plane and you're like oh that's gonna be awesome but it doesn't you know right. you know what it's about it's another mission impossible except for this one he gets betrayed in or you know whatever it is but we almost always know what the movie's about before we watch it at least generally you know otherwise we're, we're not interested in watching it 
I'm not I'm kind of an oddball though. I like I like surprises. So I like when I don't know what it's about. But sometimes some of the best movies are the movies you go into and you're sure you know what it's about and the trailer tricked you. Sometimes yeah. some of the worst <laughs> movies are the ones the you worst. go in yeah. and you think you know what it's about <laughs> and the trailer tricked you. Yeah, the Denzel Washington one where he was playing the airline pilot. They sold one movie in the trailers and the movie you got was very different. That was a movie about a uh, plane catastrophe and uh, Miracle on the Hudson kind of mix-up. And uh, the movie you actually got was a long, boring, preachy thing about alcoholism. <laughs> it's uh, not so bad. Yes, it was. It was. No, I meant I meant alcoholism. Oh, you meant alcoholism. <laughs> oh, it's fine. <laughs> you know, an- another one of those ideas, though, is like, you know, just visualizing stuff. Like, right, players imagine things all the time in their role-playing games. Like, we love that moment where we forget where we are because we're our character. I think reminding people that you can do that also in trying to imagine what an experience would be like. You know, I think we already do that in role-playing games. But kind of reminding them also, like, hey, your character is imagining it one possibility for how to succeed and we're trying to get you in that seat of that character to immerse yourself and sometimes we i, I think we, we overlook that but reminding players that they're doing that is valuable too because if they can get that experience of what it feels like that's just like being rewarded you know like if you were giving a speech and everyone clapped if you can kind of get a bit of what that feels like just by immersing yourself i mean we're te- we, you know you're getting the same benefit so that's another kind of tool that I think we is underlooked. But you know, with Dream Chaser, since it's so player, it's got so much player agency. Uh, we can get deeper immersion because it's focused on the experiences you want to get in your game. But I think role playing games in general could do a better job of like, hey, give it an extra moment there. Let, let, let Dan get into his character and have this experience, especially if it's a good moment, because Dan gets something out of that more than just enjoyment, especially if it's something he can relate to in his own life. So Pete, before we wrap up at Fear the Con Ten. How many Dream Chaser games are you going to be running? That's a good question. Uh, how long is it? We got five slots like last time? Six slots. Six slots. Six yeah, slots. Three, three per day, correct? Well, oh. there's six slots, and then there are after-hour gaming as well. So technically, if you decide not to sleep, there's two <laughs> no, more slots there. I'll definitely sleep. I need my beauty sleep. I'll do at least three. Uh, Pete, I, but- you can skip a couple of days of beauty sleep. <laughs> if you get your regular allotment of beauty sleep, I'm going to ruin some jeans. I'll do at least one day. And my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> and my neighbor. <laughs> okay, so thank you guys for tuning in. Check the show notes for a bunch of links. I know we got stuff to movie trailers, to Dream Chaser, to Imagining Games, to Broder's Facebook profile, to Fear the Content. <laughs> I, I think there's a bunch of links in the show notes on this one. So people be sure. To Bodana Group too. I mean, they're amazing people. Yeah, I will put one in. They're here. hideous villains. They're the Bodana Group. <laughs> Can you imagine what sort of psyops bullshit they're up to? The Bodana hey, I, Group. I expect you guys to give a formal apology to the Gamers Table crew before this is over too. You don't know us very well. <laughs> I actually, well, never mind. I, I've, I've said, I I've said how much I like the show. But yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Dan's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Kiss, kiss. But <laughs> the Bodana Group right now is siphoning funds 
from many different shell corporations into a single project to build the Scorpio cannon. Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to say, it's like that, it's like that family or a family guy. It's like the episode of South Park where Christopher Reeves is just <laughs> cracking fetuses like a beer can and sucking out stem cells. I, I imagine the trauma they're doing to the minds of children and the sub basements of the Bodana group. <laughs> Wow, that was dark. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the Simpsons episode where Homer was accidentally working for a James Bond villain, and instead that went way off the cliff. So, uh, went full Brodor on that one. Yes. Anyways, they never go full Brodor. Yeah, anyways, I'm sorry you guys tuned in. Have a great week and great games. And we will catch you next time. 